Hello and welcome to Opera Apero. This is your host, Sophia. Uh, this is the show to help you understand what's happening in operas uh, before you go see them or after you've seen them because you watch them and you're like, what? <laughs> um, but on today's episode, I'm not going to be talking about a particular opera. This is going to be another Sophia Speaks episode. Um, I On our last episode, I had a whole series of pointers on how to attend the opera and um as frequent listeners of of this show might know uh prior to this I'd only I'd never really been to an opera um and had only recently gone to my first opera uh and within I recently went on a what I'm going to just call an opera binge uh, where I went to the opera four times in about the span of a month, um, which for a person, I guess is a lot for a person who has never been before, uh, just to go that many times that, that quickly, like bam, 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 bam. Um, uh, but it is slowing down now. I don't have any foreseeable operas that I'm going to be attending, uh, till the end of the year or so. Um, but I, I, I kind of want to, do a recap of my four operas, because uh, it was an interesting experience um, as someone who only learned about opera and started watching operas during the pandemic and watching them exclusively through like online video, uh, going and seeing these four different ones, and uh, I have a list of all the ways in which they are different, um, and getting just a variety of experiences. Um, so I want to do a little recap and talk through those experiences, um, to also kind of like validate the things that I said in the last episode. Um, so with that, I will start off, uh, the, um, the four operas I saw, I will just give a brief overview first and then dive into them. Uh, the first one was Le Noce de Figaro by Mozart. I went and saw that with my mother. It was a very nice, special experience because she's the one who actually introduced me to opera and got me into it. Um, And so it was very nice to go see that, uh, see my first one with her. uh, And also like in Berlin while she was visiting me. Uh, So a lot of nice just like things just lining up properly. Uh, The next one I went to see um, was... Madama Butterfly, uh, and I also went to see this with my friend Rachel, who you would know is the first episode of this podcast, which is, she's featured on the episode where we talk about Le Rose, uh, De Rosencavalier, um, then, and that was also at the Berlin Staatsoper. The third opera I went to see, uh, was uh, <laughs> Così Fantute, which is another Mozart opera, um, and then that's also at the Berlin Staatsoper. And then the last opera I went to see was last week. Uh, it was Madame Butterfly, and that was in the Bayerische Staatsoper. Uh, that's in Munich. In so all operas I went to see were in Germany. Uh, that's where I live. <laughs> so here's the breakdown on the different kinds of uh, aspects of this. So two of the operas that I saw were ones that I had never seen before. Um, and funnily enough, they were 
both of the ones that were by Mozart, so Così fan tutte and Le Nozze de Figaro, uh, two of the operas I had seen before and I've also featured on the show. That's Madame Butterfly and Tosca. So also those were the bo- both the ones that I went to see with friends, so I was able to be like, don't ask me about the opera, go listen to the episode. <laughs> um, also, funny enough, both by Puccini. Um, and so and then two of those, two of my viewings happened on Saturday nights. So um, Saturday nights are usually kind of like glitzy glam nights. Uh, and then the other two were on weekday nights. Uh, so kind of a less pressure of an environment to dress up and all that. Um, and then the next distinction uh, would be two of those, two of the viewings I went to were with really good seats, uh, and then two of them were with restricted viewing seats. And I'm sorry to my friend who I went to see it with in Bayerische Staatsoper because I could have sworn I didn't buy restricted viewing, but we sat down and it was restricted viewing, so that is just my bad. Um, I owe you a drink. So then the last part, the last distinction I want to make is that obviously one of those was while I was traveling. Um, I had a little vacation in Bavaria, which is the southern region of Germany, uh, southeastern region, I should say. Um, And I figured if I'm in the area, I should just check out the Bayerische Staatsoper, which is the the, just the opera house in Munich. and so it's kind of like one of the things I do want to talk about here is actually traveling for the opera. <laughs> so while maybe I didn't travel specifically for the opera, it is now that I've been there something I'm considering doing because one of the things I mentioned on the last episode is the kind of like youth ticket programs. And so um, the Munich Opera House has a really nice program in comparison to some of the Berlin ones that are not as good where basic with the Berlin ones you have to have like a special discount card that you've already purchased but the with the uh, Munich one you kind of just like sit if you're under 30 you go to the website on a particular day when they sell under 30 tickets and you buy your ticket and it can be anywhere in the opera house um which is very similar to the program that uh the Berlin Staatsoper had for a limited time that allowed me to get really good seats at the two mu- uh, at, at, the, at the two viewings that I went to that had dope seats. Um, and when I say dope seats, they were the dopest. Uh, I, for Cosi Fantuse, was sitting in the third row, um, <laughs> in like very center. And then for Madame Butterfly, I was sitting uh, in like the 11th row, um, a little bit off to the side, but still just like so much closer than the balcony and so much closer than the other, that the other, other one, it was just, oh my God, so, so close. It was incredible. Um, but anyways, so back to my original point, which is that, uh, the Munich Opera House, and I will refer to it as the Munich Opera House just for, uh, ease. Um, but and they have a program where you can get like 10 euro tickets if you're under 30. And so if my opera ticket is going to cost me 10 euros, then I am 
let's why not just make a little trip to mute down to munich so for context munich is only like a four-hour train ride away from berlin uh so very easy to like hop on a train on a friday or friday night or saturday morning get to munich spend some time like going to museums sightseeing it's a very beautiful city um go to the opera and then go home a nice little like weekend trip excursion so fun um so i am considering now traveling for the opera a little bit more um but i really did like it because i was able to see a different opera house and granted berlin has three different opera houses but seeing it wasn't just about the opera house it was also like the people attending right like every city has its own different style and fashion and vibe to it and that was one of the cool things to see is that um berlin and munich have such different um uh attendees (laughs) i think i think um for those who aren't familiar uh with some of the stereotypes i guess i'll call them uh munich is very much like a traditional city whereas berlin i guess internationally has a reputation for being a little bit more edgy and i think one of the cool i guess a great exemplifier of like a fancy opera person in berlin was when i was i went to the opera one time and i saw uh this woman who was just like dressed very like sharply and cleanly but like in her ears she had gauges uh, gauges are those like kind of like bigger circular fillings to the um, the piercings in your ear um, but unlike kind of like standard gauges which I for the most part I see are pretty plain like black dark colors uh, hers was just kind of like studded with gems and that's just kind of like the the, the I felt so like elegant and Berlin at the same time um yeah, and so that's, like, a really cool style to see in the Berlin, like, scene. And then, whereas Munich, everything was a little bit more, like, traditional, but still very, like, nice and beautiful. Um, and so that's a little bit about just, like, being able to observe, like, differences between, like, people attending. Um, and then also just checking out all the, like, details in the opera house. And so when I was in Munich, I was with one of my, uh, friends who had never been to the opera before. Um, and I was just like, oh, you have to check out this part and we have to go see this room. It's like super cool. Like we don't have this in Berlin. Um, and he was like, oh, is this better than Berlin? And I was like, well, it's not, it's not better. It's, it's just different. I think the Munich Opera House is grand in a way that the Berlin Staatsoper isn't, but the Berlin Staatsoper is grand in a way that the the Munich one isn't. Like the Berlin Staatsoper, uh, when you're in it, it, it feels a little bit smaller, but it has just, a, it feels like more decadent with that smaller space, whereas like the Munich Opera House feels bigger, um, but the decadence is a little bit more uh, put in certain places. So, for example, when we're kind of like outside the doors leading into the theater, it's a very plain area. There's like portraits on the walls, which I want to talk about the portraits. Um, There's portraits on the walls, but 
the the walls are very plain the seats are very plain uh, whereas in the Berlin Opera House, like the area outside the theater is pretty much like the only area you have to walk around. Um, and it is covered with like mirrors and the seats are very like plush. Um, and then whereas like in Munich, like that space isn't as kind of like fancy, but then you walk a little bit further and you get to the this area that's just like a small uh, like hall of mirrors, like uh uh, for anyone who's ever been uh, ever been or seen Versailles, the the royal palace in France, where they, there's this magnificent hall of mirrors, and so maybe I'm being dramatic, but the Munich like opera houses area where people kind of like chill in the intermission and stuff, it reminded me of this because there were just like big mirrors covering a lot of the walls. It was so cool, uh, and. The Munich Opera House just had all these, like, small details that I loved, and there was just, like, unique chandeliers in places. Um, The handrails were covered with, like, velvet, (laughs) like, pink velvet. Um, And then the thing I want to talk about with the portraits, the, the, the outside of like the entrance to the theater okay sorry not the entrance like once you're in the building before you enter like the seating area of the theater there's like a little like gallery area um that has portraits of artists and the artists are usually like the people who've sung at the opera house people who have been musical directors people who have conducted um and so these range from very historic people from like the 1800s 1900s um but they also include new people um and it kind of seemed to me the vibe that I got was that people could actually choose their own depiction uh of their own like self-portrayal so there's all these like really old style portraits but then bam there will be this like new style portrait and what I mean by that is people really kind of like not going in this like traditional route of like I'm gonna sit here and be painted for 10 hours but more in like I'm gonna take a photo and then like overlay it with like neon script or like a neon outline or I'm going to not have a painting I'm gonna have like a short video of myself just like staring and blinking (laughs) Um, or I will (laughs) have a portrait but it'll be a portrait of me as like a goddess or an angel with like the sun shining down and me pouring like some salve over like a a bloody body that's just stranded out like laid out in front of me um that was diana damrau she's a german soprano um i have really enjoyed her especially in the metropolitan operas um uh shit what's the opera um le contorie <laughs> um diana damrau and le contorie is just a pleasure um but also seeing her portrait in the munich opera house blew me away because it was so over the top um which i don't know if that was her choosing if that was like i just i want to know more about that um but that was like it was kind of one of those things where it's like, oh, we have all of these like 
this kind of like homage to all the people who have contributed to the legacy of this building and of this like opera company. Um, but also we don't have to keep it in this like very old way. We can make it be these like new kinds of expressions, um, that are entertaining to people. And like, uh, as I've heard in, I've heard as we develop things in the tech world, surprise and delight our consumers. Um, so that it's just like all of these small things where it was able to be like, I don't know, it's, you know, when you travel somewhere, just like, just traveling like from a new, to a new city, you kind of like take in all the ways that the people there are different, the way their lives are different from yours, um, and start to imagine that. And the same thing it's just like a it's just that on a smaller scale when you travel to an opera house um okay yeah so aside from all of my wonderment and happiness with this whole experience there there's one one pointer that I want to talk about which is that uh it is a new place so if you've never been there you want to account for that um and I will say that getting there on time was very tricky for me and my friend. Um, so this, where we were traveling is a place that I've been before. And, uh, in, in my memory, I was like, oh, it only takes an hour to get into like Munich. It'll be fine. And I kind of planned our whole evening around this. And then we got there and we realized that actually there was a ton of construction on the train line that we were like planning to take. So instead of taking an hour to get into the city, it was going to take us an hour 50 to get into the city. And mind you, that's if the trains and buses were running properly, which um, as a general rule in Germany, I kind of usually trust that the trains and stuff will run. Uh, but if there's construction, then that kind of flies out the door. Um, so I, I will owe you two drinks for telling you this story, for telling the story on the podcast to this, to my friend. Um, but he, I was really nervous about getting there on time. So I actually left earlier than Google maps said I had to. And I made it there on time. I got to my seat. I was able to get seated. Um, he left when Google Maps said was he was supposed to leave. Uh, and he ran into some delays. And then for the first act, the doors had closed. And I was like, oh, my God, he didn't make it. He's going to miss the first act. He's going to come in and he's not going to know what happened. He's going to hate it. This is going to be his first opera experience and it's going to have been terrible. Um, but then the first act ends and I leave and meet up with him in the gallery. And he was like, oh, no, I did make it. He had made it just in the nick of time. But unfortunately, he made it right as all the lights shut down and the music started and he didn't want to interrupt anyone. So he just stood for all of act one. Uh, and, and then, um, and then only then what did he actually, and after the intermission join me and sit down in act two. <clears throat> and so all that to say, uh, if you were traveling, and you're in the completely new place and you decide to go see the opera, I highly recommend getting there early because you don't know this place. 
and I'm constantly reminded of that every time I make a like a really short connection in Berlin I'm like wow Google Maps really only gave me two minutes to do that and if I was didn't know if I was new here I would never have been able to make that two minute connection ever um so word of warning um but otherwise traveling for the opera was super dope um I look forward to doing that more often um yeah and so the other thing I want to talk about is that actually um the good seats (laughs) because I did get to see it in good seats uh and they were really, really good. Oh my goodness. Uh, I, <laughs> there was actually a one point where I will say that, um, so seats in opera houses are usually, there's the full view seats that, you know, the closer you are, the more you pay, uh, the further you are, the less you pay. And then there are even seats that just due to the architecture of an opera house, are restricted viewing. So opera houses usually have just like a a ground floor of seats and then they have multiple layers of balconies uh, that just kind of stack on top of each other. If you are further back within that balcony, there's a good chance that like part of the top balcony will restrict your view of the stage um, and also the subtitles. Um, (laughs) So... uh, one thing I did mention in the last episode is that when I went to go see Le Noce de Figaro with my mom, we got restricted viewing seats and uh, I got really lucky because it didn't restrict me from viewing the English surtitles. Uh, I was not so lucky this time when I went to go see Tosca with my friend in Munich uh, because my restricted viewing <laughs> um, restricted me from seeing the English subtitles. But because I already knew the plot, I was able to follow along pretty well. And also, I'm back to taking German courses, so I counted it as really good practice um, for kind of trying to pick up new vocabulary. Although most of the vocabulary was about, you know, crying or uh, (laughs) revenge. Um, Yeah. (laughs) maybe not words I would use on a daily basis (laughs) yeah um and so that's like another point is that um (laughs) I think for my friend who was you know seated next to me and not being able to see the German not being able to see the English subtitle surtitles um and who also for the first act was standing um and could, you know, really only see the stage, not necessarily the surtitles, because he was standing in the balcony. Um, being, knowing the plot beforehand was really useful. So, um, let's just say that my past advice to do some study and valid, was validated. Um, and I will say that's also validated. Um, although I didn't necessarily follow my own rules to the best, uh, order, um, I did mention that two of the operas I saw were new to me, and that was Le, Le Noce de Figaro and Così Fan Tutte. Um, like with a, mo- a lot of things, I procrastinate, uh, and I absolutely was sitting in my chair in the opera house looking at the plot summary on like Wikipedia or Metropolitan Opera, 
uh, trying to like understand what was supposed to happen in act one, act two, act three of all of these things. Um, but Hey, you know what? I still did look it up and it was really helpful. Um, because there's a lot of switcheroos that happen and you want to follow them. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I will reiterate that it is valuable to study up on the opera. Um, but, and now caveat it, immediately caveat it by saying don't take everything with a grain of salt. Uh, there were certain scenes during Tosca um, where my friend, as we were walking back to the trains after the opera, he was like, wait, you didn't say that this would be happening um, in, in the opera. Uh, and to, to, just to clarify on that example, um, in Tosca at one point, there's the evil Baron, Baron Scarpia, um, who is kind of like plotting in his apartment. And so in the, the, in the viewing that we saw, as he's plotting and singing about plotting, there's actually three women who are all kind of like dancing around him and who he's like singing about his plans. And they're all kind of uh, touching and feeling on each other. Um, That is not something that I saw in any of the versions that I've watched. Um, And so this is something that we talked about is that it was like, oh, you didn't say that there were these women who were just hanging out as in in this one scene. And I was like, well, yeah, I didn't I didn't say that because that's not always how it is. Um, and yeah. So take the plots, and I I think I try to emphasize this in almost every single episode is that. Take the take take these plots with a grain of salt because it kind of can change based on how a director wants to stage that particular opera. Um, I guess in this one, they wanted to make it wanted to up up the ante on Baron Scarpia being kind of like a greasy dude. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about and you want to go check out the Tulska episode. It was from a few weeks back. Um, But that's to say that as long as you know the general plot, that kind of reduces your reliance on the surtitles. And so that increases your focus on the singing and on the like acting and stage direction that's happening, Um, which is the like actual art that you're kind of there for. but yeah, so that is one of the like takeaways that I had from like my newbie friends was that it was like, well, you didn't say this would happen. Yeah, okay. Um, so the other part that did come up, and this relates again to knowing the plot, is at the same time as he said, well, you didn't say this would happen, is that, (laughs) I guess, you know, if you don't want to hear a spoiler for Tosca, which means you're not going to go listen to the Tosca episode, don't listen for the next, like, minute or two. Um, But 
the end of Tosca, she throws herself off of a castle. So he was like, well, I really feel like that plot just would have been more um, impactful if if I ha- hadn't known the plot beforehand. Um, and, you know, I guess I let other people decide um, if you want to know all the plot twists beforehand or not, but I think you could go in not knowing anything about the opera, and if you go in not knowing anything about the opera, then the plot twist might not actually mean much to you because you will have been reading the whole time and not necessarily taking in all the action that's happening on stage. Whereas, like, for me, as a person who has seen this, I still get stunned by people just killing themselves at the ends of operas. I still get tears in my eyes. I still get goosebumps. And I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think that just is... I think it's powerful and dramatic enough that it will still, like, have an impact on me as a person. Um, And, you know, you be the judge of that for yourself. Um, So I was going to say this advice is uh, uh, if you have, if, if, if you're traveling, but I think it applies whether you're traveling or whether you are in your hometown, in the opera house of your hometown, Okay, actually, I think it applies a little bit more if you're traveling, because if you're traveling, you have limited space to pack nice things. And so, you know, you might not want to pack like a really fancy nifty outfit. Um, Anyways, so if you are concerned that you don't, aren't well dressed enough for the opera, I, I would recommend that you not worry about it, because the thing is that people go to the opera in part to people watch. And if you don't, if you don't, if you've not dressed up, then you are not a great candidate for people watching. And so therefore people will not be watching you. Thank you. I am a math major. My logic is done. Um, so, (laughs) but, but seriously, um, I think there are plenty of time. I think this just applies in general where it's like, there are plenty of times where I put no effort into my outfit and I don't really want people to look at me no one looks at me because I haven't done anything interesting with my outfit. There are times where I put a lot of thought and care into how I look and I want it to be appreciated. And those are the times where I like dress up and go out and I get, I get some nice compliments on my, on my outfit and I love it. Um, but you know, that's all to say that it's like, you know what, if you haven't dressed up that well, that's fine. Do not worry that like everyone's staring at you for like looking like a bum at the opera. No one's going to People are going to like be like, oh, he's in a polo and shirt and or she's in a dress with sneakers, whatever. I'm going to look at someone who looks more interesting and has looks, you know, you know honestly, more beautiful. Um, and that's great. You don't always have to. It's fine. And you're going to be OK. So uh, I just want people, if you remember you have paid to be there. You've paid money for this ticket to get into the opera house to go see this experience. So you, it is your experience to make of it what you will. Don't 
let all these other things of like, I have to look this way. I have to do this. I have to do this. Stop you from enjoying the thing you want to do. Like when I was in the Munich Opera House, I went in and I was like, this is a completely new opera house. I need to go explore all the things about it. And I walked up, I walked to each floor and checked it out in the intermission. I walked down and went down to the ground floor and went right up to the like orchestra pit to check out the view from the first row. Like those are all things that you can do because guess what? You've paid admission. It's intermission. You can roam freely throughout the opera house you know except for the like the areas where employees are working don't go into like you know restricted areas (laughs) but if there's no like door or gate that says no entry explore it man like it's an opera house it's beautiful go absorb that beauty it's meant to be like seen and appreciated um all let's say make it your experience do it up um and so I, I yeah, I want to re- recap my opera experience, which is that like one, like it was really fun to travel and go see something new. Well, see a new opera house with a opera that I've already seen before um, via online platforms. It was really, really fun to see operas super up close. Um, and I, oh, highly recommend. I, I, I preached this idea that, you know, you can go still enjoy these things if uh, on your price range. And I think that's true. But I cannot deny that the 160 euro, doll- 160 euro seat I sat in to watch Cosi Fantute was fucking amazing. Um, it was just spectacular. Uh, oh, yeah, this is the one thing I wanted to say is that even though I was in this like great seat, there was even, there was even one scene where like, um, there's one scene where this, there's this kind of like on the staging, there was a big rock. Um, and then there would be sometimes, and there was like a chair behind the rock. So as someone who was super up close and on this one particular side of the stage, um, when people were behind this rock, I couldn't always see them. So even in this one instance, like, depending on the staging, there might be parts where you still don't see it, but it's n- no big deal. NBD. Um, it was, besides that, it was just, it was really cool. And I think Kosi Fantute might might be one of my new faves. Um, and just, it was very special. And it was like a Saturday night. I went by myself I dressed up, um, I had on this, like, ridiculous tutu skirt that was so fun to, like, frill around in, um, and yeah, uh, the, the good seats, if you can, if you can get them, are definitely an experience. I think, to recap, I think I had a really interesting month of watching a lot of operas in IRL in real life and I'm really looking forward to seeing another opera although I don't know when that will be um just because I have some upcoming travel um travel that's mostly focused on seeing like family and friends 
um, not (laughs) artistic experiences. Um, but it was a blast and, um, I hope people go check it out. There are a lot of good opportunities around the city. And I know even as I'm talking about like going to Munich to see opera, like there are two other opera houses that I haven't even been to in Berlin because Berlin has three opera houses and a fourth one, actually. It's just very small and on the second floor of a, like a small building in Neukölln. Um, so this has been Opera Apero. I hope kind of recap of, because I know I run an opera podcast, but when it comes to going to operas before, before this month of binging IRL operas, I was still relatively just like new to the whole experience of going out to the opera. Um, and this kind of just like was a nice twist to it. Um, I think I will still continue to watch online operas because they are pretty convenient. You don't really have to wait for the opera house near you to put something on. Um, but I do want to plug that because of a lot of what I talked about today is, is very visual kind of, or for example, I talk about like the velvet handrails or the portraits or the mirrors, um, all that stuff. It's, it's nice to hear about, but I think, um, I will be sharing photos of that on, on social media. Um, so if you want to see what I'm talking about, feel free to hit the Instagram page or the Twitter account, um, to see the pictures from the Munich Opera House and to see, um, pictures from the Berlin Opera House. I'll be posting those within the next, like, two, I'll be posting those, um, across the next two weeks. Um, so check those out, um, if you want to see what I'm talking about. And yeah, so I guess with that, this has been Opera Apero. Um, if you like what you heard, share with a friend, follow us on whatever you listen to, um, because that's the kind of stuff that actually kind of pushes the podcast up in those recommendation algorithms. And um, if you want to check out those photos, we're on Instagram at opera.apero or on Twitter at opera.apero. Um, and I will see you and I don't know why I say see you. You will be back. We'll be back. We'll be back in two weeks. Or maybe as the Germans would say, Auf Wiederhören. I've always heard in German, by would be Auf Wiedersehen. But now that I'm learning German, Wieder is again, and Zane is see, to see. So it's like to see you again. But if you're going to only speak again, it would be Auf Wiederhören. So... There's your useless German fact for the next two weeks, for the fortnight. (laughs) Great. See you in two weeks. Bye.